Hello and welcome to Creativity Uncovered. My name is Abby Gatling and I'm on a journey to uncover how everyday people find inspiration, get inventive and open their imagination. Basically, I want to find out how people find creative solutions and how they use them at home, work, play and everything in between. And as always, my goal for this podcast is that by the end of it, you'll be armed with a whole suite of tried and tested ways to summon creativity the next time you need it. Today, I am speaking to Claire Morgan, who is a UK-based fine artist who specializes in liner cut printmaking. And Claire has a really interesting journey and relationship with her creativity, And I really think that her story will be really helpful to any of our listeners today who are just feeling a little lost and want to find their way back into the creative space. So thank you for joining me, Claire. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me, Abby. (laughs) And I I certainly appreciate you um, joining me because you are based in the UK, complete time difference. We're sort of on opposite schedules at the moment. Yeah, which is fine because I'm an absolute morning person. So this is good for me. I like function on all cylinders in the morning, but like (laughs) if you ever catch me in the afternoon, it's a different story. (laughs) And actually like that's an important thing is with creativity or, you know, any sort of work is kind of knowing how you function, right? And best time of the day and and uh, best environment and things like that. So it's good to know that you're aware of that for yourself. So (laughs) (laughs) absolutely. Um, So Claire, I sort of mentioned it before, but you know, you're now a fine artist and, and you spend your days creating beautiful artwork and gifts. But, um, you know, we spoke previously and you let me know that for many years that actually wasn't always the case. So like, let's kick this off by sort of talking about a little bit about your story and your relationship with the creativity. Yeah, so... Um... Art, I mean, art has, has always been with me. So even when I wasn't creating, I was working as an art teacher. So it's honestly, I feel like I live and breathe art and always have done. Um, my very first memory of doing any art at all was when I was really small. And you know, you get your colouring books and you, you're really proud of what you're doing. You show your parents. And I decided that um, in all my colouring books, I was going to colour the lines rather than filling in all of the gaps and that was how I was going to approach it that was kind of my way and I remember just like and people saying why don't you just colour the whole thing and I was going no no that's I like it that way and I think I was quite set and doing in doing things my own way early on I think that's because as children children are naturally creative naturally curious we don't have loads of baggage attached to it um but as we start going getting a bit older there's more shoulds going in there and people telling you how these things should be done and expectations and and unfortunately I think we lose that over time as we grow up a bit and even even though I was um good at art and that was um something that was recognized I still went through my art training and felt actually like I'd lost creativity. I think people assume that if you are good at art, that means creativity comes with it, but it doesn't necessarily because rules came back in. Um, I had, I mean, my art teacher was brilliant, but the training was very formal and it was how things look. It was photorealism. It was that sort of level of everything having to be perfect. So the breaking of the rules became very difficult for me. Wow, um, so sort of like prescribed creativity was kind of hemming yeah. you in a little. 
And it, I mean, it was good training to have, and I value it now because a lot of those skills do help me with the type of work that I create, but it's probably shaped the type of work that I create as well. Um, then leaving school, um, I went to college and they, that was kind of my first experience of something that I'll come to talk about probably a little bit more about this idea of removing that expectation. But the first lesson in there, they took our pencils away, uh, took our paintbrushes away. They gave us sticks, emulsion and ink. And then they just said, look, we're, we're just removing all of the things that you're familiar with and you're going to create in this new way. And actually that unlocked that creativity again. And I think a, a tip for anybody, actually, if you're struggling, just um, and particularly if you're an artist that's maybe got these perfectionist tendencies, to do, to do something novel, like draw with your left hand or do something different, like novelty is really key. And that can help push you back into the creativity. Um, and then I continued to study art, went and studied at university. Um, I went into teaching and that's where my journey started to change slightly. Uh, I started to progress in my teaching career and went into school leadership, which took me out of the classroom a bit more, but also dominated a lot of my time and a lot of my brain space as well outside. So at that point, I slowly started creating less and less until the point that I wasn't creating at all. And yes, I was in the classroom, but even that was was very different uh, just because of the other roles that I had. Um, so I was doing that for a few years. And you sort of feel like something... I felt like something was missing. I knew something must have been missing because I was I started to go to Buddhist talks and spiritual stuff and just trying to find this thing that was missing without actually connecting the dots that was my creativity. And then I started to become quite unwell. I didn't know why. I um, was having repeated infections and get lost my voice and it started to impact my work. Um and I was ill for quite a long time before I realised what was happening. Um, I actually went to work one day uh, feeling quite poorly because at that point I was so poorly I was going to work even if I wasn't feeling great. It became the went new normal. Yeah, it was. You don't notice it creeps up on you over time. You just think, oh, everyone, you know, I don't know, you just assume it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I knew I wasn't okay because I was going to the doctors repeatedly, uh, but just not getting answers. Then this particular time, he did an examination and uh, he said, oh, like your liver and your spleen are like huge and you're also tachycardic and you're also running to temperature. And I think they thought it might have been sepsis at, at that particular point. So they sent me to hospital. The hospital kept me for two weeks. And during that two weeks, I was like, there's obviously something wrong. I've got all these medical students coming to look at my massive liver because <laughs> it's oh like, and I'm thinking, oh my God, what's like, what's going on? Um, and then during that time, they discovered I'd got um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, something called peripheral T-cell non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a ah. really rare one, which is why it's hard to pick up because everything that was wrong, you could put down to other things. Like in the end, I've got like itchy legs and that's, you know, the doctor would say, oh, it must be the washing powder that you're using. Yeah. Um, so you'd like change that. Or um, I was losing weight, but I was also going to the gym at five o'clock every morning thinking, oh, if I just go to the gym and get fit, I'm going to feel better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then there was all these sort of signs that I never put together, but I didn't have like the swollen 
lymph nodes that you'd expect. It was more like these subtler, like infections, itchy limbs. Eventually, I got the bigger symptoms like um, night sweats and stuff. Uh, I also had an immune disorder, which is why I had the infections and probably kind of linked to the cancer. So at that point, that's like kind of, you're going about your life trying to sort of figure things out. You've got everything kind of planned ahead. Um, It's almost like somebody just pulls the rug from underneath you. And at that point, nothing else actually matters anymore. It's just actually dealing with it, getting better. It was part shock, but also part relief because I knew what was happening. I knew that actually I wasn't well. Yeah. Then there was something I could do about it. A bit more clarity um, for you. Yeah, it did. The The doctor had said, uh, well, the um, consultant had said, you, it's it's stage four. So when they did um, a PET scan, I like, they like fill you with radiation. It's bizarre. But they scan you and I, I just lit up like a Christmas tree. I was like, oh, my God, it's ev- it's literally everywhere. It's in my bones. It's in my liver. My sp- like, just crazy. Um, but they said so I could start off with chemo, and if I could cl- if I could get rid of rid of it with chemo, then I could um, have hopefully. Well, they don't tell you everything. They don't tell you everything all in one go. They give you like steps. So they tell you a bit and then you go through that bit and then they'll tell you the next bit. So they take you through it really well. Um, And I ended up having a stem cell transplant in the end because my treatment took quite a long time and it was quite invasive treatment, especially with a stem cell transplant. um, It meant I had quite a bit of time to recover and I was off work for quite a bit of time as well. So I ended up with this period of time post-transplant where I knew I was going to be going back to work. Couldn't couldn't go back then because I was still recovering. Um, yep. And it gave me this window. So I started to call it my sabbatical, um, essentially. <laughs> nice reframe. And I said, yeah. like, yeah, I was like, this is my sabbatical. This is like some time. Do you know what? I haven't had my whole life. I have never had a period of time where I can just focus on, like, what I want to develop and focus on me. So I, I used it and I started to, I wanted to get back into my creativity again. Thought this is the time I need to get that back. But I was in a strange position, having done art and having these expectations around what I should be able to create. There was a fear there. There was like baggage there that actually, if I start making, it's going to have to be like really good. Um, I had these crazy expectations. So I thought, well. Like as good as go- it, you were prior to teaching? Or- yeah. 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 Um, Because when you teach, I I think I felt like, because I teach 11 to 18 year olds, I do teach sixth form, but I feel like there's this, um, I felt like the stuff that I was creating had this like school energy to it. Like, I don't know, it didn't feel mine. Um, So it was kind of being able to let go of that and step out of it, find my own voice again. But I actually did it in, a, in an interesting way. So I decided to do tapestry weaving because it was something new, novel. I have no expectations around it. No one's expecting me to be good at it. It's a way of engaging my creative brain in a completely uh, new way that I just just don't, you know, I could approach it fresh. I could approach it essentially with um, a beginner's mind, I would say. Yeah, so you'd never so, done tapestry in the past at all? No, never. 
Um, and it's not, I mean, it's not something I do now, but I have the tapestry that I made in my artist studio now because I look at it to remind myself that actually if you are struggling, just find the novelty or find something new. Yeah. And and push your boundaries that way. And yeah. then from that, I then went into portrait drawing and started to draw from sitters. And then I became obsessed with people because actually through all of my experiences, I think I started to just really appreciate kind of other humans and other people's stories. And I became intrigued by the fact that we never really know what anyone else is going through and that we should be living with this kindness. And there was kind of just, I was just obsessed with being human, being here, um, kind of trying to get stories across through the art. Um, so the, that kind of led me into, because I do a lot of, a lot of portraiture in yes. my artwork now. Um, so yeah, that's how I kind of got back into it, which I'm really grateful for. Wow. Wow. I mean, it's obviously going through that illness and that experience was not the most amazing thing in your life, but it is interesting that it's contributed to you looking at trying to find more creativity again and your own personal creativity. That's very interesting. Yeah. Cause I think that also links to a sense of purpose as well because I think after something like that you think well what am I actually here for what am I on this planet for and previously all of my um creativity all of my energies were going into somebody else's vision and somebody else's agenda and I was completely replaceable I step out of that role someone else steps into that role they have the ability to shift that vision I channeled my creativity into building policies whereas actually now I channel my creativity into something that's mine. There's no, like my artwork is mine. I'm creating it and putting it out into the world. Nobody else is going to step into my shoes and and change it or tweak it or alter it. Uh, it's, it, I feel like I'm putting an investment into something that I'm leaving behind. Like, um, I don't know, like. Like a legacy. It, it almost. It's what I'm going to be leaving here, yeah. Yeah. Is that what attracts you to creativity? Is that um being able to express what is truly you and leaving a legacy or like what is it that about creativity or art that attracts you um I think it's to do with the connections that it brings actually more than anything else the fact that um I make art and put it out into the world but that isn't the whole story I don't think art is all about the artist I think um, like my art teacher always used to say, everyone brings their own baggage to a piece of artwork. That's so <laughs> true. If you find um, a piece of art that connects with you as a, as a viewer, as like um, somebody observing that artwork, mm. you see something that connects to you. It's because you're connecting with it because of your own baggage, your own story, your own journey. And I love the fact that I can put that piece out there and somebody will form that connection with it and we'll have their own story with it yes. and it'll invoke that kind of emotional energy and I've been at so many exhibitions and shows where people have picked up a piece of artwork and they'll say um this really like this really reminds me of this relationship I had or this really um reminds me of this moment in time when I had this struggle I mean often without me sort of saying anything about my story often people who have had really challenging times in their lives those are the people that are connecting with the work and choosing the work mm. and I don't think that's happening by accident I think that's 
something in it, whether it's the colour or the imagery or the emotion in the portraits, there's something happening there that I think is just incredibly magical. And it's such a privilege to be able to make things that do that for another human being. I couldn't think of a better reason to create. Yeah. Oh, that's, I mean, that's amazing. I know that there's that sort of saying like the author is dead. So, you know, whatever intent there is when you're writing a piece, someone else is going to come in and bring their own lens to it and their own baggage, as you said, and and make their own (laughs) um, spin on it all and their own interpretation. But it's interesting how people are able to do that, but also kind of tap into exactly what you had put into it. That's, yeah. Mm. And I, I think it's because it kind of follows, um, the work kind of follows a bit of a pattern. Like it, it's because it, I don't think art should be static. I don't think an artist should be creating the same thing all of the time because actually we grow and develop as humans grow and develop as artists the world around us changes and shifts um so the work did follow this kind of um flow of my recovery so at the very beginning all of my figures were falling because it was a visual representation of having the rug pulled from under you and being in free fall um but they weren't dark images they were so colorful and there was an, a vibrancy and an energy in them because actually that I wanted to embrace that uncertainty or encourage other people to embrace that uncertainty then they kind of flowed into um these figures that were really strong sort of circus performers uh, aerial acrobats that I was documenting but I would fragment them so they were made up of little pieces and all those little pieces that they were made up out of they, they that was kind of looking at the idea of strength from coming out of being broken actually all as we go through our experiences and we get all of these um different cracks and challenges that actually they make us more like a lot stronger and then they moved into more mindful figures and now um my work is portraits and it's all about the seasons and connecting with nature and trying to go with the flow a little bit more I think everything I make is I learned so much during that time of my life And we do get stuck in the busyness of the real world again. I do not want to forget those things. I do not want like the universe sending me another message. I'm like, yes, thank you. I got it. Yeah, thanks for no thanks. (laughs) I'm going to like keep reinforcing it to myself. That's that's cool. And just because I I mean, I'm not, I make work about mindfulness and I make work about um, like the, the little affirmations and reminders because I need it, because I'm not perfect at that, I do sometimes go a million miles an hour and don't take that time out. So I need to just constantly have that that in my life. Yeah. <laughs> and if I can present that to other people and other people can take stuff from that as well, then that's just, that's an absolute bonus. <laughs> so do you think that, um, do you think that all art needs to have meaning? Um, that's a really interesting question. Um, I think, I think there are so many humans in this world and there are some people that you will talk to and, and actually for them, the artwork that they have 
maybe it is a, a a piece of interior design and they just simply want it because it it matches the color of their room or like it finishes something off and they're looking I mean to be fair that creates the whole feeling of the space which you could say taps into emotion even if mm. they haven't necessarily connected with that piece in a certain way um and I think that's still valid but I think and because it not everybody gets this not everybody relates to art in this way and that's absolutely fine mm. but there are there are some humans like that that that's where they find their thing so some people it'll be music like you put that music on and it will alter your mood it will change how you're feeling like art can be the same way for other people so um I have art in my home and I there are some pieces that I've bought just because actually they're visually interesting and and I, I maybe like the colour, but there are other pieces I've got because there's a story and a feeling. It makes me feel a certain way. Even myself, I've got, I'm on a spectrum of that. <laughs> um, no, I think there, we, there are so be. many humans in the world and so many pieces of art in the world. I don't think it has to. I don't think anything has to be anything, actually. Yeah, because you don't like the rules. <laughs> I don't like the rules. <laughs> it can be whatever it wants to be. <laughs> yeah, yes. Because, yeah, I think that's always interesting. It's I think when people try and assign, like, just a nominal meaning to something, for me that's kind of worse than just going, oh, it has no meaning. It's purely just aesthetic and it's pretty and I like it. Because <laughs> I think I mean, that's that valid enough, you know. Yeah, that could be the thing. It's actually, do you know what? It's because I like it. That is actually still coming from a place of emotion. Yeah. Because it's it's creating emotion in them to drive them to make that piece. Yeah. And actually, yes. a person like, do you know what? Maybe, maybe that's not the right question, actually. Maybe, or the right way of thinking about it. If you choose something, there is emotion attached. Because there has as to be. Simple as that. <laughs> because you like it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> As long as you're cognizant when you're doing the making the decision, yeah, <laughs> then there's some type of thought process that goes through it, and thus, yeah. therefore, an emotion that goes through it as well. <laughs> Absolutely, I love that. That I love that. And I, I mean, just jumping back before you said something that was really interesting um, when you were talking about, um, you, you know, you'd sort of had gone through the teacher process and and kind of your expression of your true artistic self was kind of being diminished along the way um and you were scared to jump back into that again and so you you went through the tapestry because of the beginner's mindset what tell me what is the beginner's yes. mindset <laughs> I, um, I was like, I'm intrigued by that but I'll come back to that point later <laughs> now's that time uh, so beginner's mindset is a, a zen buddhist principle uh, which is about engaging with the world with no preconceived ideas and seeing things for the first time with their complete curiosity um, the idea is obviously if we are needing to be an expert at things and we've got lots of knowledge, that can actually be an obstacle to our creativity and our curiosity um, mm. because it just shuts down our curiosity. I mean, to me, I would say um, that curiosity, well, creativity, I should say, is curiosity at play. I think our oh. creativity is an expression of our curiosity. Um and that's how I kind of view it. So that's why beginner's mindset is so important to me because it nurtures it and it gives it space to grow. Um, so, yeah, it's really just about 
letting our mind be free and being yeah. open to new possibilities yeah. and letting things go. But we, it's, but I think it's like a muscle that we need to practice. Mm. Um, and I do think we need to sometimes find, because especially if we are an expert in a field, it can be so hard to let go of all of that knowledge and see things fresh. So you can kind of um, flex that muscle, if you like, by mm. changing things up, altering um, like the method that you're creating or what you're doing or the way that you're thinking of, or putting yourself in completely new situations, which mm. is where the divergent thinking uh, element comes in and mm. improv. Because now I've realised that um, that kind of beginner's mindset is so vital to me. Yeah, I am a lot more open to trying brand new things in the creative realm that span even further than just art because I can see the value that has on my artwork so I take part in improv now which I absolutely see as boot camp for my brain and that (laughs) side of things uh definitely helps with my creativity and my um imagination um so this is where uh an interesting study comes in about divergent thinking because they uh, looked at the impact of improv on the brain in terms of divergent thinking, which is, again, linked to creativity. And they got a group of marketing students, and it's like called the paperclip experiment, I think. And it was, they got a group of students in and they said, how many uses can you think of for this paperclip? And their control group came up with a number, but then they sent another group off to improv for 10 weeks. They came back and came up with so many more uses for the paperclip. Wow. <laughs> so there's like scientific evidence that it helps us to think more creatively. And again, I think that's to do with uh, curiosity and just, just training our brain to, again, you probably wouldn't think of so many uses because of our preconceived ideas, because of our knowledge, because of the baggage that we're bringing with us. Yep. I think that element of stretching our brain in that way and having better divergent thinking is probably because we are allowing ourselves to be more curious and you can't foster that without having the beginner's mind they're they're quite interlinked yeah Um, so you're you going into improv was firstly to um reactivate that beginner's mindset because you'd never done it before right yeah but then what what is it about improv that expands your mind and help these people with this paper clip like what what is it about it? <laughs> so it's really about the process rather than the outcome. So you're in it and it's live and you're not worried about the end result. It's actually a really amazing way of feeling very, very present. It's also an amazing stress reliever, by the way. It's like going in oh. and just give, being given permission to play and not have any expectations or judgments or worries. Um, all of the people that are there usually like, fairly similar and kind of like kind and giving um we can like it's a space where you can fail without fear and I think that's something like when you're creating anything actually that having permission to fail without like the worry about it is is good it gives you a place to do that um helps with imagination and idea generation because again you're thinking on your feet and the the, the stuff's just just you know it's, it's it's amazing how the stuff is just there in your head um and you you know you can't sense yourself it just it just has to come out um there's no kind of 
preconceived ideas. Again, you don't go into an improv scene with a preconceived idea of how it's going to unravel. So again, you're going in with that curiosity and that, developing that beginner's mind again. Um, yeah, it's just about creative instincts and being willing to explore and play and just trusting yourself. Yeah. Um, and you just have to, you just have to like make a choice as well. <laughs> so often with improv, you just have to choose, like you say something and then you have committed to it. Um, and some of the games that they do as well that you might have, um, this is a game they do where you have slips of paper and people have pre-written sentences in and randomly during the scene, you pull out the piece of paper and you read whatever's on it, but you read it with such commitment because you have, because you have to, that's like, that's what makes the scene. And then you just roll with it and run with it. So yeah, I think it's, it's fantastic for just getting my brain into that, that creative space. And then I can bring that, that way of thinking, it kind of it helps me with my creativity, with my art, but also just in everyday life, it makes you more responsive to things, willing to go with things, willing to take risks. Just, yeah, it's just helped me feel a lot lighter and a lot better. Um, so, yeah, I think boot camp for the brain improv. I love that. <laughs> I mean, it's such a seemingly random thing, but everything you're saying there is like all of that can be applied to creativity and also um, just a great mindset to be in, you know, to be um, observant, open to new ideas, able to change directions, be agile. All these things, they're great in life anyway. Yeah. I mean, practicing it in a non-scary environment. And it's interesting you said random because actually it was, I was not seeking improv in any way I just happened to go for coffee with two stand-up comedians who just said uh well actually they just invited me for coffee and I, I have this thing where I just think now you know what like, like I would just say yes to things I would just I say yes and then I think about it later so I just was like yeah I'll go for coffee I think we're, we're, it was art related um and then they said oh we're setting up this improv group to fancy come in and this was about four years ago and I just started to go um and absolutely love it because of all the stuff I get from it. And it wasn't on purpose. It wasn't a decision. I had no idea what improv was. And when they first explained it to me, I was like, this sounds bonkers. Um, but it has given me so many opportunities to push myself out of my comfort zone. I mean, I don't, I do the groups. I don't tend to perform, but I have performed once. Um, when I got a message at like 10 o'clock on a Friday morning, do you fancy doing a, an improv show in a theatre at seven o'clock tonight? And then I I typed yes straight away before my brain had chance to say no. <laughs> and I committed <laughs> and I said I was going to do it and I went and did it and it was amazing. Um, I think that's another thing I perhaps approach things with as well now. I think, well, you're only... You, you kind of only get this experience once. What's, what is the worst that's going to happen? And I think yeah. putting yourself in sometimes uncomfortable situations or things that you're going to find challenging, again, just stretches your brain and stretches your willingness to to try new things. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's all... Un, I always think that, like, being uncomfortable is just um, a sign that you are growing a little bit. And it's an opportunity yes. to develop as a person. 
And, you know, this podcast is that for me, like, so um, I was so uncomfortable when I first started it because, you know, my, my voice is too squeaky or I've got nothing to say, but um, it, I'm getting so many benefits out of it by talking to people like you. And it's just really um, <laughs> making me feel alive, you know, but I, <laughs> if I had just sort of let my um, scare, like being scared of it and um, the uncomfortableness of doing the first episode, if I let that stop me, then I wouldn't be here today. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And mm. it's really good to acknowledge that and reflect on it as well. Cause I think we sometimes just keep ourselves so hemmed in and, and so we don't fully grow into ourselves. Mm. Um, that and you never know what's yeah. around the corner. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, absolutely not. And I think you, you get, I don't know, you get one shot and we just try it and what's the worst that's going to happen? I mean, nobody nobody at the end is going to sit there and talk about the things that they... The only thing we talk about is the things that we didn't try or didn't do. Mm-hmm. So where so, did this... Like, where did this um, idea to say yes to everything, where did that come from? Do you know what? I think that's... I mean, I've, it's literally not yes to absolutely everything in the, the broadest <laughs> sense, but generally it's kind of a mantra that I like to have. Um, yeah. You know, I read, this was before I was, this was before I was Paula. This was a long time ago, actually. I read Yes Man, I think it was called. Oh, yeah. I haven't read it for a really long time. But in the book, it was about a guy that said, started to say yes to everything. And the the way that his life just unraveled, and well, not unraveled, that sounds bad. That makes it sound like it went terrible. <laughs> but unfolded, I think is a better word. Yeah. Um, and opportunities started to come to him and then he started to have such a rich and fulfilling life and I think as soon as you're sort of becoming more open to possibilities you see that happening like with my art practice when I started to say yes to that and to embrace it and to take on events it's just brought me just so much I get to I get to go to loads of different places around the country to share my work with people, have conversations with people. I have built up um, a huge artistic community of people around me, people that, you know, perhaps before I would have seen and just and like admired the work. They're now kind of my community. Um, and I love that. I I just find that there's just such a richness to mainly because of the community and the people that has allowed me to expand and meet. I mean, bef- when I was doing my leadership role, um, I was so absorbed in my work and all of that, that actually I, I remember sitting down and think and saying to my husband, look, I have got no, there's nothing outside of work, actually. My friendships had kind of even sort of disintegrated. I was going on um, like online meetups to see whether I could find like a meetup groups that I could actually meet some other human beings, but then having no time to go. <laughs> so even my relationships beyond work with, as well as my creativity, everything was suffering. But now it's, I don't know, just, just surrounded by so many amazing people. I'm getting to do things like this and, and talk to you like across the globe and just and and share (laughs) like that wouldn't that wouldn't have happened if if I'd just I don't know stayed contained yeah I kind of want to I don't know I want to just talk to people meet people build community build connections yeah yeah 
I mean, it's, yeah, building connections is exactly what you said in the beginning about what creativity is to you. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and thank you for saying yes to this, by the way. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. <laughs> now, um, before we go, I, I, you've mentioned a couple of tips um, throughout this, uh, throughout this chat, but tell me, What's your number one piece of advice for others who are maybe in that place where they um, were more creative in the past and it sort of dropped off a little bit or perhaps they haven't like delved into it since they were a kid? What What do you think your advice would be to people who want to refine their creativity? Oh, I think um, novelty, maybe going and finding something that is new and creative and interesting and just maybe go because I went to the tapestry and I went to a workshop actually go and just find a workshop that you think is quite interesting and just go along and go in and have a play whether that's a ceramics workshop whether that's a tapestry whether that's a lino cutting like whatever that might be just go and try something but go in just and play and I, and you know, usually the the people are quite creative, so you they'll give you space to just explore. And I, I think just find something that is going to allow you a little bit of a chance to check out of the real world, go somewhere, and just play and feel creative. And that will be whatever piques your interest. So there's not going to be like one art form that's going to be right for everybody. It's just something that's that piques your interest. Just jump in and don't be worried about it and don't have fear that, oh, everybody's going to be like, just get rid of those mind monkeys and just say yes, book it, go. <laughs> oh, that's amazing advice and and great tips all throughout that whole chat. Um, thank you so much for joining me, Claire, today. I think that was uh, a beautiful chat and it, and it was really great to hear more about your journey. Um, and I also want to say thank you to everyone who has tuned in to Creativity Uncovered today. I really hope that this episode has inspired you to say yes to new adventures. <laughs> and uh, as always, I hope that it helps you summon your creativity the next time that you need it. If you've made it this far, a huge thank you for your support and tuning into today's episode. Creativity Uncovered has been lovingly recorded on the land of the Cubby Cubby people, and we pay our respect to elders past, present, and emerging. This podcast has been produced by my amazing team here at Crisp Communications, and the music you just heard was composed by James Gatling. If you liked this episode, please do share it around and help us on our mission to unlock more creativity in this world. You can also hit subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episode releases.